You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a four-strike blue belt who trains at Nashville MMA, located in Nashville, Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Hunter. Hey, hey, I'm happy to be on, man. Thanks for having me. Man, the pleasure is all mine, man. The pleasure is all mine. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Just kind of wrapped up a work day and uh, sat down to do this. Awesome, man. I done like I said, I do appreciate you taking your time out of your day to uh, do this episode with me. Um, but I, without further ado, um, if you want to go ahead and formally introduce yourself again, by all means, go ahead and let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm Paul Hunter. I'm 54 years old. I started training at 49 years old, which in jujitsu age, that's ancient, you know, starting mm-hmm. at 49. Um, but I, I, I jumped in with both feet. I quickly became addicted to jujitsu. I love it. First two years, I trained six days a week um, and had a lot of people tell me that's too much, especially at your age. But I did it. Um, probably should have backed off a little bit. I suffered probably a few more injuries than I should have, <laughs> but um, <laughs> mo- most of them got all the way back to good. I got a, I got a right shoulder that's that's never gotten 100 percent, but um, it's I can deal with it now. But yeah, so I did six days a week the first two years. Got my blue belt, and I, I tried to back off to four days a week, um, mm-hmm. and I just I missed it too much. So I started doing uh, five or six days a week again. So now I train uh, four days a week at 6 a.m., and then on Saturdays, I actually lead a drilling session. Um, so we have anywhere from sometimes it's just two or three, sometimes it's 12 or 14 people come in. And we'll drill fundamentals, just just basic fundamentals. We'll drill for two or three hours. And uh, yeah, so I love it. I love it. Um, I've done a lot of competition. Uh, so it's just it's become a, a huge part of my life now. So that that's basically um, that's where I am today. Um, so we can go back and talk about like what what made me want to do jujitsu and all that stuff. But um, yeah, so that, that's me today, training 6, uh, 6 a.m. classes, four days a week, and then I lead a drilling session on Saturdays, uh, fundamental drilling, which to me, that that's w- probably the thing. First of all, I have a phenomenal instructor. My instructor is an incredible black belt, uh, phenomenal athlete. He's really good at coaching. He, he's very good at communicating. Um, that's the thing that's helped me the most. But after that, the drilling of the fundamentals, the basics, I think that's helped me more than anything else. Uh, It's just just going in there on Saturdays and working on Toriando passes, X passes, butterfly sweeps, uh, flower sweeps, scissor sweeps, you know, working in basic submissions and, you know, just just simple arm locks and uh, chokes and things like that. Um, That's that's really helped me a lot. That's awesome. And it's it's funny you say that because um, we were just having like me and a couple uh, well, another brown belt at our school. We were talking to uh, just a couple of white belts and, they're, you know, we're just going over techniques and stuff. And 
one thing we talked about is like when you get to like that, you know, black belt level, even especially in competition, nine times out of 10 is usually the basic stuff people get caught with, you know, arm bars and rear neck chokes, like literally the, the stuff that you learn your first few weeks of class. So as yep. you said, that, you know, fundamentals is always, always important. Yep. Yep. It, it makes me think of the year. There were multiple years, but one year, especially Hodger Gracie, um, I think it was worlds that he won and he, mm-hmm. and he basically did the same thing to everybody. He got to Mount and he did a cross choke from Mount and he beat everybody, he beat all the best black belts in the world. Fundamentals. 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 So let's, so let's kind of like take a couple steps back. So, you know, cause you said starting, you know, starting jujitsu at a, you know, as a old man in, in jujitsu terms. <laughs> yeah. So what got you, what got you started? What got you like, what, what hooked you in? So I wrestled in high school um, mm-hmm. and I only wrestled two years. So I wasn't like some phenomenal, you know, state champ wrestler or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the, the second year I won more matches than I lost and I considered that a victory. Right. <laughs> so I wrestled sophomore and junior year and absolutely loved it. I loved it. I loved the discipline of it. I love uh, just the, just the combat, the physical, like, you know, back and forth one on one really enjoyed it. I, I didn't get to, to wrestle my senior year because if I wanted to have a car and be able to drive and afford gas, I had to work. So mm-hmm. I, cho- I chose working and having a car over uh, wrestling. But but I, I honestly, from that point forward, for the next uh, 30 years, 30, no, 20, 20 years, I walked around feeling like a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like that was a part of me. Like I learned how to wrestle, you know, actually, yeah, 30 years after that. Right. So until I was 48. So I had this mentality like I learned something that. It's a skill that not everybody has. And I still believe to this day that wrestling is the best base for any martial art on the planet, period. It's the best base for any martial art on the planet. So I walked around thinking, you know, I'm a wrestler. That's what I thought inside. Right. And so mm-hmm. at times uh, I had. So my wife and I have been married 33 years. We have two Beautiful. grown daughters now. Yep. So my oldest daughter is 27. My youngest daughter, or 26. My youngest daughter is 21. Um, and so I'm, I'm raising these girls. And there were times in my life when, when you, you stop and think as a father, like about protecting your family. Right. Well, to mm-hmm. me, I always felt like most people don't have a wrestling base. I have an advantage when it comes to taking up for standing up for my family, defending us or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. What I didn't know is that for all those years, the 30 years that I walked around thinking that while that was true, um, had someone tried to harm us who knew jujitsu, they could have shut down some of my wrestling for sure. <laughs> And, and uh, so anyway, I, but let me, let me back back up. So, so I get out of high school, some friends of mine, we had this little makeshift MMA club, right? So okay. we would get together just, just a group of us. And like, sometimes we would say today we're only boxing, right? So we would only box. Sometimes we would say today we're only wrestling, no striking. So sometimes we'd put the headgear on and say, okay, we're, we're going to go all out, but just, you know, don't punch in the nose because we've all got to go to work tomorrow, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And I, and I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. 
so then my daughter, my, my first daughter's born, um, you know, I'm married, all this stuff is going on. So during that same time in the early to mid nineties, the first UFC happened, right? So I like so many others, I watched Hoist Gracie do what he did. And I was just mesmerized. Mm -hmm. I said, here's this guy who's six feet tall, 170 pounds. You know, he, he, I think he's six feet tall, but you know, he's kind of long and lean. He's not that big. And he's beating these people who, who look like cartoon characters, you know, these yeah. big, jack, action, figures. Up action figures, you know, and he was, he's beating boxers and wrestlers and karate people. And he, and I was like, whatever he's doing, I want to learn that. Right. Mm, I mean, I just yeah. I wanted to learn that. But again, I got two little girls, you know, I'm, I'm raising my family. I'm trying to build a career. Uh, it, it's hard to squeeze that in. Right. So I, mm -hmm. I just it was always in my mind. One day I want to do it. So I watched all those first UFCs and I watched what Hoist Gracie did to everybody. And I thought one day, one day. Now, fast forward. My oldest daughter's gone to college. My youngest daughter's driving. You know, she had turned 16. She had a car. She was driving. There wasn't as much need for my wife and, and for myself to, like, take them to plays and softball practice and school or whatever. So I had some more free time. And I started thinking, I, I want to do something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I started I started digging in and just kind of reading about it and checking around locally. And honestly, in my mind, I was thinking, where can I wrestle? as an adult, right? Well, when you start mm -hmm. looking for a place to wrestle as an adult, it's, it's hard to find a place, but, but there are all these jujitsu schools. And so mm -hmm. I thought, man, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to do this, right? I know I'm in my late forties, but I'm going to do this. So mm -hmm. I actually started interviewing, like I would go to a gym and I would talk to the professor or the owner and I would just kind of fill him out and what's your school all about? What's the vibe here? And so I was kind of checking some different ones. So I walked into a school where my coach, Kevin Patterson, uh, he had his own gym at the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's he's always trained at Nashville MMA. That's where he got his black belt. It's where he started from day one. He was a college athlete. And then after that started training jujitsu. So he'd always been there, but while he was still training there, he had opened up his own small jujitsu gym. And so I, I, I saw a listing or something, or I saw the sign, called him, talked to him, asked him a million questions. He was probably sick of me interviewing him, you know? So I said, I'm going to come check it out. And I had done a trial class at a couple other places. I walked into his gym. The very first time I met him and I was there for an hour, I walked out of there and I said, this is who I'm going to train with. This is it. Mm. Mm -hmm. He just, he knew how to communicate with me. He seemed like a super intelligent guy, which, which he is. And I just liked the vibe I got from him. So the first class, I don't know. I know every gym is different, but with him at the time, like not everybody rolls their first class. Right. 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 So, but what he did is he said, you know, I'm going to, we're going to show the technique and we're going to drill it and I'll just kind of, assess you know where you are and all that stuff so at the end he's like listen you know you wrestled a couple of years in high school it's obvious that 
you got a little bit of skill here. Like you can roll. We'll just kind of go easy. And so from the very first class, I got to roll. Um, nice. And, and I've been with him ever since. So I'm two months away from five years training. He closed that school and rolled back to where he's teaching, you know, just at the gym at Nashville MMA where I train now. Um, but I'll never forget this. So my first class, <clears throat> there was a young lady there, Amanda Grundon. Maybe she'll hear this sometime. But um, she she ended up moving to California, and, and now she's she's married and had a, a baby out there, and she trained at Autos with Andre Gaval out there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when she was here, she was a blue belt, okay? And so I was brand-new white belt. <clears throat> and so as we started to roll, we're switching partners, so it was my turn to roll with her. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, what do I do here? Like, here's this hundred and I don't know, 30 pound female. Right. And, and at the time I was 185, 190 pound male. And like I wrestled a couple of years and I'm thinking, I don't want to hurt her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how, how do you win there? Right. If you, if you dominate her and hurt her, you're a jerk. Right. You know, if, if, if she beats you, then you, you feel like, this is what I thought, you know, you feel like you look like a loser because you just got beat by a girl that's mm-hmm. 40, 50 pounds lighter than you. So I literally was thinking, well, I don't want to hurt her. Like, how do I do this? So coach says, go, you know, and so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to kind of go easy and fill this out. Lamar, like literally within 15 seconds, she had an arm bar. <laughs> and I thought my elbow was going to explode. I literally thought my elbow was going to explode. And I'm like, tap, 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 tap. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go harder than that. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and to me, that was like, it was the most amazing thing. I was like, this feminine 130-something pound girl just absolutely destroyed me. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I, I've got to, to do more of this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started training all the time. And funny thing is there was a, there's another school where the instructor at that school had also trained with my instructor for 10 or 11 years. And on Saturdays, they would have kind of an open mat at, at, at this other location. And so I go there and there was a, a, another young lady. And this, this is so funny to me because she's the exact same age as my oldest daughter. Okay. Okay. So, so now I'm, I'm 54. She's 26, I think. Right. So when I started training, I was 49. So she was 21 or 22. Right. And this girl. So so I'm thinking she's the same age as my daughter. She's a young Mm -hmm. girl. Right. Now, now Mm -hmm. I know at 21, she's a young lady, but I had a 21 year old daughter. So to me, she's a girl. She's a little girl. She's a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. She's a black belt now. At the time, she was a purple belt. I did everything in my power just to not get destroyed by her to no avail. She just could completely wreck me, (laughs) you know, and I, and I watched her do that to guys that were over 200 pounds. I watched her do it to purple belts, you know, and I was just like this jujitsu, there's something incredible about this and I want more of it. And and so I, so I just, I got addicted. Like I said, I trained six days a week, the first two years, I, I still do five days a week now. I've done almost 20 tournaments. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I just, 
man, it, it's such a part of my life. And now both my daughters have, have moved out. They're both married. Uh, so it's just me and my wife at home. So, so I get up, I go to the 6 a.m.s. I come home, I go to work. And in the evening, after my wife and I have dinner and hang out a little bit, I'm studying jujitsu. I'm watching videos. I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm, you know, watching instructionals, Bernardo Faria, you know, Andre Galvao. I'm just, it's, it's all I, if I don't control what I think about, I default to thinking about jujitsu 24 hours a day. 24 seven, 24 seven. That is, that is me in a nutshell too. I, I train now, um, like four days, well, you know, give or take four days a week. Um, I'm at the gym every day and that's literally all it is now. Gym and jujitsu. Yeah. Gym and jujitsu. Like I'll be literally, I'll be done with class and we sitting on my phone and, you know, scrolling, scrolling Instagram or YouTube yep. and jujitsu techniques all over the place. So yeah, I, I know how that is. I, I completely, completely get that. Yep. And and that's ironically how, you know, I came across your page. Um, I was scrolling one day and a friend, a uh, training partner sent uh, sent the video and you know, I just, just kept going down this rabbit hole. I come across a video of a gentleman and his dog. <laughs> and I believe this technique was, um, oh, I think it was, what maybe, was it? Maybe the Bravo choke. There you go. Bravo choke. And I watched this video at least about 10 times. I'm I'm looking, I'm like, all right, this has to be the most coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) This man, (laughs) this man is sitting here doing jujitsu with his dog. And I'm looking like the dog is in it. Yeah. (laughs) And all. I mean, like I am, I, I showed my wife, I showed, you know, everybody I was like, I trained with, I was like, dude, you guys got to see this video. And we're just like laughing. But I was like, it's like, so uh, you going to invite him? I was like, yes, of yeah. course, of course. So that's what I sent you the message. Like, hey, I like, I know, you know, this is, I know this might be weird because I've messaged a lot of people I've never met about being on the show. But I was like, I will be honored to have you on the show because I, I have to hear the story of how this started. Yeah, well, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it happened like that. I'll tell you this, um, and we'll go back and touch on that whole story. But uh-huh. once once things started to blow up with me, and th- this is Wrigley right here. He's beside me. So this this yes. is my boy. This is the one I do jujitsu with. The, the best dog on the planet ever. Ever. There's no question about it. But I, I'll tell you, I've had, since our videos started to blow up, I've had four, four or five like people reach out and ask me to do podcast. And, and honestly, I, I listen to them and, and I'm not, I'm not knocking any of them. There, there's some cool podcasts, but I don't know. They just didn't feel like the, the vibe was right. Um, mm-hmm. You sent me the request and I started listening to your podcast and I just, I like the vibe I got. I, I like you love jujitsu the way I love jujitsu and you don't have any false pretenses or anything. You're just like, Hey, I'm just a dude that loves jujitsu and I'm trying That's to get it. better. And I was like, I, I think I want to be, so I listened to a bunch of the episodes and I said, yeah, I want to be on there. So I'll tell you the funny story about how this happened with Wrigley. And like I said, you can see he's, he's the chillest dog in the world. So I, I've had dogs my whole life. I had a couple of Labrador retrievers, like I had one for 13 years when I was growing up. My wife and I had another one for 12 years. 
I had some bully breeds back in the day. I had like some pit bulls and some uh, uh, Staffordshire Terriers. And, and I actually used to help train dogs. I've trained like Rottweilers and uh, German Shepherds. And I've helped friends train dogs. So, so my wife and I, when we lost our, our last yellow lab, my youngest, my oldest daughter, I'm sorry, was 13. And she wanted a little dog. I'd never had a little house dog, little inside dog before, but we got her one. It was a little malty Sioux, a malty Shih Tzu mix. Ended up being the best little dog. She was a sweet little dog. And uh, she, she lived about 11 years, had a lot of health complications at the end. And so we lost her two and a half years ago in November. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my daughters still laugh at me because I said, no more dogs right now. Like I'm enjoying not having the responsibility of a dog, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if mom and I want to just pack up and go somewhere, we don't have to worry about a dog. Well, my oldest daughter knew that she was going to be moving out after she, she got her master's degree and she was thinking she wanted a dog and she wanted to rescue some sort of pit bull or bully mix type thing. She wanted to do a rescue. So mm-hmm. I started looking to help her find a dog, right? Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how it all started. So I would go to the shelter and I would look at dogs and there would be one and she'd say, oh, dad, did you see this one at the Humane Society? And I would go look and I would say, yeah, Mackenzie, this dog's a little too aggressive. Like, I think you'd, you'd have to be concerned, that sort of thing. So then I started getting the itch and, and I wanted a dog for me again. So I walked into the National Humane Association that day. And this, this is the weirdest thing. Okay. So I'm, I'm not trying to convince anybody of a religious beliefs or anything, but, but I believe this was a God thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I walk in that day and I'd been in there over and over. This particular day I walk in and the director of the facility just happens to walk out of her office. Okay. Now, I don't know if it was because I was dressed for work. So I had on a shirt and tie and dress clothes or everything. I I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but she walks out of her office and she sees me and she says, Hey, how are you? And she comes up and starts talking to me. So I told her why I was there. And she's like, Oh, wait a minute. She's like, you've got some experience with bully type breeds. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to have them. I've raised them. I've trained them. She's like, this is perfect. You've got to see this dog. She's like, we have this dog that came in. So he came from a high kill shelter. So a shelter where, you know, a lot of the dogs get put to sleep. He -hmm. came from there. She had a love for, for this type of dog. And so when she found out about him, she's like, we can't let this dog be euthanized. So, so she brought him to Nashville Humane. She said, you got to see him. So, I don't know if you ever look for dogs at a shelter, but like a lot of the dogs are just kind of like, pick me, pick me, please, please, please pick me. And then Mm -hmm. some of them are scared to death and they run away and you can tell something's wrong with them. Wrigley didn't, Wrigley didn't either. Okay. Wrigley just looked at me and Lamar, I'm telling you, it was like he looked through my eyes into my soul. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't like a, please pick me, please pick me. It was like, you see me, right? You know what's up. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. It was like, it's like you know the deal. And I looked at this dog, and I was like, I, I, I've got to, I got to put this dog on a leash and take him outside and walk him right. Mm-hmm. So I called my wife, and I'm like, uh, you're not gonna believe this, but um, I think I'm coming home with a dog. <laughs> She's like, what? I thought you said no more dogs. So I, in order to make not make this too long, while I'm walking him outside. He, he didn't sit. He, he didn't act like he knew how to, to heal, to come. To, 
And I was thinking, what am I getting myself into? Like, here's a dog who at the time he was a little over two years old. And I'm thinking he has no training whatsoever. He was way underweight. And I'm thinking, what am I getting myself into? But I'm telling you, I could not walk away from there without him. Mm -hmm. We get home and I still had work to do from that day. I was kind of stressed out about some work stuff. So I put this, this blanket in the floor beside my bed and I've still mm -hmm. got the picture online and everything. And I'm like, Hey buddy. I said, I got to get some work done. Just lay right here. He laid there the whole time I did my work, never made a peep. Whenever I finished up with my work, I started playing with him, giving him treats within five minutes. He was sitting within five minutes. He was staying everything. Oh, wow. Everything I started teaching this dog, he just, he learned it. And, and so we literally have become like best friends in the world. I mean, you can see right now I'm here. So he's laying right behind me. Chilling. Yeah. Chilling. If, if, if I'm sitting watching YouTube videos at night, he's either laying on my feet or under my feet. Um, so he's, I don't know if you can tell in the, in the, in the screen here, but he's 85 pounds, solid muscle. He was about 65 when I got him, but he's about 85 pounds, solid as a rock. The sweetest dog you've ever met. Little dogs, big dogs. It does, he loves every dog. He, he loves every animal. He's so sweet. And so, so it, it, here I am. I love jujitsu, right? I love mm -hmm. him. He loves to wrestle and roughhouse. And so I'm like, wait a minute. I'm going to have some fun and kind of do a little jujitsu with him, right? <laughs> and so I, I did a couple funny little videos. This was like two years ago, shortly after I got him. And mm -hmm. my wife was like, Paul, people would love those videos. And I'm like, no, no. She's like, I'm telling you, Paul, people would love those videos. Mm -hmm. I, didn't really, I didn't really do much with it at all, right? Mm -hmm. Well, about seven, maybe seven weeks ago, I said, okay, I'm going to post some of these videos. I have been blown away. Like, it's unreal. The one you were talking about, you saw the Bravo choke. We have uh -huh. three, 3.4 million views now. Wow. I, have a, I have another one. I think it's the scissor sweep that's a million views. Another one that's a million views. And now every video we do, I mean, we're, we're getting a minimum 20,000 views. A lot of them are going over 100,000 views. And, and people have just fallen in love with this. Yeah. So... I'm going, so I, I want people to understand like this, the, the severity of awesomeness is because <laughs> if you haven't seen these videos, like I, I, I had one pulled up to the side, which was like by far one of my favorite ones was the, uh, when you were explaining like the Anaconda versus Starch Choke. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, I was like, I gotta, I have to bring this on so you guys can see this to show you how serious this is. But just check this out, and you. I, I once I play this, you guys will instantly fall in love. But here we go. Okay, Wrigley's going to help me show you guys the difference in the anaconda choke and the Dars choke, as far as grips go. Okay, so when you get your opponent in front of you and you get in a front headlock position, the easiest way to remember this is let's come a little closer. Okay, the easiest way to remember this is. From the front headlock position, anaconda, you're going in by the neck and out under the armpit, okay? So in by their neck, out under the armpit, you wrap your grips, your grips up, you can gator roll or not. With the Darce choke, 
you're going in by the armpit and out by the neck and you wrap up your grips that way. So anaconda, in under the neck, out through the armpit, dars, in through the armpit, out through the neck. That's the difference in the anaconda choke and the dars choke. And Wrigley, for being the best duke in the world, you get another treat. Good job, buddy. Aren't you? I'm, I'm like, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> I couldn't hear the sound there. Could you hear the sound? Oh, the sound didn't play, but yeah, the, the sound played. Um, like I said, this was like by far one of my favorite videos. And this is the one I was like, okay, I got to hear the story. Because he was yeah. by far the best Uki I've ever seen. As long as I've trained, this is by far the best Uki I've ever seen. He's so chill. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, we so so he can be running around attacking me, play fighting, you know, biting me or whatever. And mm -hmm. when we get in the floor to grapple, like he just becomes this mush. He's like, okay, dad, do whatever you need. Like, tell me which <laughs> way you want me to bend. Um, it, it's just incredible. And so people have fallen in love with it. So people started demanding merchandise. That's, that's why you see this. Yeah, I, uh huh. I, I saw that. So, I, that was that was one of the things I was like, I'm watching the video. I was like. He never tapped. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen him so, really tap. <laughs> yeah. So that, that became the thing. I would say I would get him in a in a choke or whatever. And and obviously I'm I'm not applying too much pressure, you know. Of course. But I, of I, course. I would say something like Wrigley never taps. And so people started saying, We want merchandise. Wrigley never taps. Wrigley ne So so we did the t-shirt and now we've got a hoodie and we've got a couple other t-shirts. And yeah. It's just it's such a blessing. And, and you know, I had some of some of the people who comment and follow us. Oh, here's another thing. Okay, I ha, I think when this started, I had 500 followers on Instagram. 500. Okay, mm -hmm. I have 35,000 followers now in like seven weeks. Wrigley, his account is Wrigley the Bulldog, D A W G. Mm -hmm. Wrigley the Bulldog, D A W. He's got 12,000 followers now on his account. <laughs> yep, and I am one of them. Yeah. So, so, but when it when it really took off, one of our followers said, um, he said something like this. He said, "You act like it's about the jujitsu, but it's really about the bulldog, isn't it?" Right. And I said, "Yes," but then I said, "Or maybe I want the world to love jujitsu." Why would they listen to a 54-year-old blue belt? How am I going to convince them? But if they fall in love with Wrigley the Bulldog and they watch us on Instagram and somebody says, huh, I'd like to try jujitsu. Maybe it's really about the jujitsu. We'll never right. know. <laughs> never know. Never, we'll never know. know. But, but I, I just promise you, people, if I would have. People, people are loving it and they're saying such kind things. And it, it, it so Honestly, I say this and it sounds cliche, but like if I can make people smile, if I can share a little love and if somebody says, hey, I also learned some jujitsu technique, man, Wrigley and I are just thrilled. You know, we, we're thrilled. We, we made somebody smile and we taught them something about jujitsu. Yeah, definitely. If I've if I never trained jujitsu and I saw that video, I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting a dog and I'm about to start training. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I like like you say, he's just it's he's just so comfortable and he just he just knows he's just like, all right, he wants me here, I'm gonna be here. 
and he's just ready. Yeah. And I, you know, some people are like, the dog is obviously scared. You can tell he's licking his lips or he's uncomfortable. He doesn't like this. And I'm like, if you could spend five minutes in my living room floor with this dog, you would not say that. In fact, right. my last couple like flow rolling videos with Wrigley, you can see his tail was doing this the whole time. He loves it. He loves it. Committed, full gi, rash guard, everything. So, yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always even scrolling through the videos, like, what, what, what's his rank? Because I know he has yeah. to be at least two stripes right now. <laughs> well, that's so, so his he's getting some stripes or belt really soon. I can't reveal. Oh man, happening soon. Please let me know when that happens. <laughs> yeah, something's happening soon. Oh man. All but right, yeah, so, he, he gives me he gives me thirty five thousand people wouldn't follow me. Mm-hmm. What would the reason be, right? He gives me a platform, and I hope that from that platform I can share a little love, a little, a little happiness, and a little bit of jujitsu. If I can do that, man, God has blessed me tremendously. Tremendously, but it's like a it's like a it's a it's like a cycle, you know. You 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 found something you love, which is you know your jujitsu and dogs, and you're at a point where you can combine the love of both. Yep, and, and it's working out beautifully. Yep, it is beautifully. Yeah. So let's let's get back to the great stuff. Uh, competing. Yes. So, no, you know, not not only starting, you know, starting at an older age, also throwing your hat in the ring to compete as much as you did. How, what was that like? Like when you decides, like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to compete. So sometimes for me, I I will allow, I will allow a short-term goal to kind of mess up my long-term goal. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So my long-term goal with jujitsu was learn jujitsu, enjoy it, get really good at it be better at defending myself if I have to be better at defending mm-hmm. my family. If I have to, I hope I never have to, but my, that's my long-term goal, right? Well, my short-term goal became, I want to win. I want to beat everybody I can beat. I want to be, you know, I want to win, 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 win. And, mm-hmm. and there for a little while, I really let that short-term goal win, win, win almost get in the way of my long-term goal. Right. So I had to back off. I, I've got a super competitive nature. So in anything I do, anything. So when I started training, I started training in July of 18. Okay. I did my first tournament August of 18. <laughs> I was, I'd been trained. Yes. I'd been training a month. I did a tournament. Now here's the crazy thing. I won the tournament. <laughs> nice. I got lucky. Okay. The, the, the person who was in my bracket had been training a short time also. And so I won, right? And so, mm-hmm. but that just fired the juices up even more. And so I started signing up for more and more. Now here's the, the tricky thing with me that a lot of people don't have to deal with is my age and my size, okay? Mm-hmm. There were not a lot of 50, 51, 50, you know, whatever uh, white belts when I was still a white belt. So, so I was a rare commodity right? A 51-year-old white belt, there aren't that many competing. And so what would happen is that I would either have to go down in age. Sometimes I would have to do the 40 and up, sometimes the 30 and ups, you know, a lot. Or they would say, hey, there there is another 50-year-old 
but he's a super heavy or he's a heavy. Oh, uh -huh. And so I always had to kind of pick, you know, what do I do? Sometimes I did the younger guys. Sometimes I did the heavier guys, but, but I started competing right out of the gate. Um, I got off to a really good start. If you're looking at wins and losses, right. I, I won mm -hmm. several tournaments. I won a lot of matches. And then I went through this period where I was, I was losing a lot of matches and I got really down on myself and I started thinking, man, you know, like maybe I'm just not good at this. Maybe I'm, I'm not going to be a good competitor. And, and a, a few times I had to have people sort of shake me back to reality. And mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you one of those times. So there, there's a, a guy here around Nashville who does a lot of tournaments. Um, he's a really, really good blue belt. Okay. This was early in my, when I was a blue belt, he was a pretty new blue belt. And so we did a tournament. And, and he was my first match and we go out there and we're, we're fighting for the takedown, fighting for the takedown and boom, I get the takedown. Right. I, I feel like I'm in control. I hadn't, I hadn't scored anything except the takedown, but I felt like I was in control. I was, you know, I had this thing. Right. And the next thing I know, man, he just somehow reversed it on me. He ended up getting me on my back. He had me in an arm bar. He tapped me with an arm bar. Right. So I'm, I'm after the match, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, man, I cannot believe this. You know, I, I'm, I'm disgusted. I lost. I should have won that match. So my coach was there and my wife just happened to be at this tournament. Right. So this is mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. So, mm -hmm. so my coach looks at me, Kevin, and he says, he says, Paul, he says, how long have you and Michelle been married? And we're like, it, this was two years ago. We're like 31 years. He's like, you know how old that guy is? 31. <laughs> He's like, You've been married as long as that kid's been You've alive. Been alive. <laughs> Shake it off. <laughs> and so sometimes I have to be reminded of that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I've done I've done a lot of tournaments. Um, I did well, probably about half and half. I probably did nine or ten at white belt, nine or ten at blue belt. Um, I did Pan Ams. I've done a couple of big IBJJFs. I love competing. Um, you know, I, I win some, I lose some, but I feel like every tournament makes me better. And actually mm -hmm. the prep leading up to the tournament makes me better. You know, yeah. so I just love it. Yeah, man. I, that's, you know, I'm in that same boat. Uh, you know, you don't see a lot of brown belts competing. Uh, so usually when I, like when I, I just recently started competing, like, uh, a year ago, like I did my first one at purple and I did like two more at uh, currently at brown and the last two tournaments I've, you know, faced the same, same people. So yeah. it's like, you know, we get one or two matches in, it's always the same, you know, same little small group. Cause um, not only competing, you know, older, you know, the, the, the brackets thin and plus being a brown belt that makes yeah. it even thinner. So you like, by the time you hit, you know, uh, like our matches is usually like we'll get a, a random purple belt whose division um, people in their division didn't show. So we might get an extra person. But nine times out of ten, it's usually like two people. Yeah. So it's like I did. Um, I did. Was that grappling industries? Uh, the last two grappling industries. And both times was the same guy that I, I did, you know, in the tournament. So I was like, you know, first time I met him. It was a good match. Then second time I saw him, I was like, so we doing this again, huh? He's like, yeah, it looks like it. So both, <laughs> both gi and no gi. I was like, all right, man, <laughs> yep. let's, let's get it. But 
it's fun, man. Like you said, um, the the more you, it's like the more and more um, tournaments you do. It's like you you look forward to that next one. You be in the middle of your role, like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, I'm about to sign up as soon as this match is over. I'm signing up. Yep, yep. You know, so I'm planning on doing uh, tap cancer out uh, next month, and I've I, and it's like for some odd reason I told myself I was like, you know, let's just train as hard as we can up until the date and let's see what happens. And I was like, all right, sure, why not? And I just been at it for like two months, just gym and training, gym and training, gym and training. Yep. So yeah, it's something about it, man. Just something about it that's so addicting. It is. It's <clears throat> it's hard to explain to people who have never done it, but like to me, and, and I don't know, like I, I know in your earlier podcast, you had talked about you, you had only done one tournament. So obviously you've done mm-hmm. more recently, but so maybe you have or haven't experienced this yet, but I talk to a lot of people in our gym when they're doing their first tournament and I try to warn them about this and my coach warned me about it, but it's so real. Okay. It's, it's this, this visceral, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like the first tournament, your coach can tell you, you're going to have an adrenaline dump. You're not going to be able to feel your forearms. Like you, you can hear all that, right? And you're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. 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 But until you experience it, you just can't imagine how real it you is. You can't, right? I mean, you come away from that first match, and you're you just gripped so hard the whole match, or you held your breath, or what, and you're like, you can't feel your forearms, you can't squeeze mm-hmm. your. <laughs> but but to me, what is incredible is like the more I've done them, you get to where number one, you're not squeezing and killing your forearms you don't have the adrenaline dump but then when you get to a point where you're literally thinking in the in the match as if you were thinking in a role in the gym that's mm-hmm. when it becomes so much fun so now yeah. you got people screaming and yelling you got a referee you got your coat but you're literally thinking to yourself wait a minute if i move my knee there he's probably going to do this i don't want to do that I'm going to reach up and grab that lapel, you know, and, and you start thinking during the match, that's when it becomes so much fun. I, I just, yeah, it's hard to explain. Oh yeah. No, I, I get it. Cause that's, that's one of the things that uh, my instructor, uh, he kind of drilled in us since day one, you know, always, you know, make sure, you know, you're thinking about your next move. You think it is like, you know, chess and, we have so we'll have like so many like I guess you want to say like random days where we'll go like you know technique 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 and then one class would be like hard rolls, hard rolls the yeah. whole entire class. So and we just so happen to have one uh, recently and I think uh, yeah, it's been a while since we had one but we had one uh, recently and just the uh it's just funny like we looking at all the like white belts and our couple blue belts they're just spent they're just sucking air still on the side yeah. just dead and i'm just sitting there bouncing around like uh yeah. so who's who, who's next who's next who wants to go but everyone was just like so tired but yeah everyone walked out there was like squeezing their hands trying to release that tension in their forearms and everything yeah. just hurts <laughs> i was like yeah man this is real jujitsu <laughs> yep. but yeah. That's how we train. We train, you know, we we train hard, you know, so that way once, you know, we get to that point where all our energy is gone, we're tired, and the only thing we have left is technique. Yep, that's it. So, and th- yeah. this the, the last time we had a, a pretty pretty significant group of people preparing for this one tournament, 
what our coach did, and man, you talk about cranking up the level of intensity. So, so as we approached the tournament, he would pick our partners. You know, he he would say, "Paul, I want you to go with this guy, and I want you to go." So he's picking us strategically to make sure we work hard and we really go at it. But then at the end of class, we'd all gather around in a circle, and then our Tuesday Thursday classes, we'll have sometimes twenty eight thirty people in class, pretty oh, big wow. classes for six a.m. Yeah. And so we'd all gather in a circle, and then he would say, Paul, Brian, out to the center. <laughs> so now everybody's watching your match. It's mm-hmm. it's like it feels like a tournament, right? And so the intensity is amped up. And so we did that leading up to it. And like you said, you see some of the guys who hadn't competed. I mean, they're just like panting, and they're out of breath, and they're dying, you know. And, and, and I, I'm not going to say – it was easy for me, but like I'd been in so many tournaments, it's like, okay, let's do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you, a cup, and, and in fact, both of the times that I had to come out in the center and do it, I ended up in a bad spot. I just stayed calm. Mm-hmm. I got back up on top. I got the submission, you know. So you really learn to control that, you know. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I could go way down that path, but yeah, it's, I love it, man. I love it. Right. Super long story short, it's very important. Let's <laughs> just leave it at that, right? Yeah. All right. So we usually have a um a, like I I you know Dean the the talk your just podcast question. I ask everyone this. Uh, so your top three people, your dream matches. Who would you like to roll with? Yeah, I don't even have to think about this very long. Okay. So <laughs> number one, Hoist Gracie. Okay. okay. And, and if for no other reason. He is the reason that I fell in love with jujitsu. Like watching mm-hmm. him do what he did, horse crazy. Number two, maybe even more so, would be Hickson Gracie. Mm. When I started, when I started training, and and I told this guy like what my first open man, I'm like, yeah, man, I watch Hoist Gracie. He's like, you know, Hoist wasn't even the best, right? I'm like, what do you mean? Right. He's like, he wasn't the best Gracie. Hickson was. He's like, you need to go watch Choke. So that day I pull up choke and I watch the documentary and I'm like, oh, Hickson was even better. Yeah. <laughs> so so Hoist Gracie, then Hickson Gracie. If I had to pick a third one, I think as much as I would love to roll with like the Ruotolo brothers or Mikey Musumeci or one of those guys, I'm going to say Andre Galval. Um, yeah. I just love what Andre Galval stands for. Um, I, I love that he's uh He's a man of faith, and he's not ashamed of that. But also, mm-hmm. he's what a six-time world champion. What I mean, the guy's incredible, right? I would love to roll with him. I actually met him at Pan Am's. I met him and took a picture with him, and he was a super nice guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So that would probably that probably be my top three: Hoist, Hickson, and then Andre Galval. Yeah, they're definitely on my list, especially got uh, Andre Galval. I um. There was this video of, of Galval doing this, uh, I guess you want to say this warm-up drill he usually does. And I was like, I gotta learn this. I need to learn this. And because yeah. the way he the way he moves and crawls and snakes across the mats is just like ballet. And I'm like, if I can move just just a little bit like that, man. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. be so much better. <laughs> so, yep, yep. I haven't, yeah. I haven't tried it in a while though. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to see, see if I can see what I can do now. Yeah, it's I'm funny. I was, I was listening to like 
the first several episodes of your podcast and you're talking about snakes, snake. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like, what is he talking about? And then I realized it's what we call shrimping. Shrimping, right? yep. Shrimps. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Shrimping is foundational to jujitsu. And, and so I was, when you were saying snakes, I was like, what's he talking about? So now I know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think I think um a few episodes in when I you know I would tell talk to people and they you know I would say snake I was like I need to start saying shrimping too because a lot of people say shrimp it's a lot of more people that says shrimping versus snakes yeah that's so what like, I okay heard it called, yeah. yeah I was like I gotta gotta remember that next time but yeah snake shrimping same thing same thing yeah, yeah so right, I, I don't know like I know we're probably gonna wrap up pretty soon so mm-hmm. I, I guess a couple things I would want to say is um, I appreciate what you're doing like. I think it's cool that, like I said, you've got this podcast where you don't have any false pretense or anything. You're just like, hey, I'm a brown belt who's who's trying to, to get better at jujitsu and I want to talk to people about jujitsu. I like that. That that's that's a cool that's a cool way to do it. Um mm-hmm. and then the other thing is like I, I hope when people watch my Instagram videos, I, I've had some people like try to really criticize and I'm like First of all, I, from the very beginning, I said, I am not some black belt professor instructor, okay? Secondly, I'm doing this on a dog. You can't make every technique look perfect. <laughs> you know, his body's shaped a little bit differently. Right. It. So it's, it's just to have fun. It's not to say I know any more than anybody else. There are blue belts, purple belts, brown belts, black belts in my gym who know a hundred times more about jujitsu than me. Mm-hmm. But I do one day want to be a phenomenal teacher. I want to be a jujitsu instructor. And so I talk to my coach often about that. I get his feedback. And, and while now I know I'm not an instructor, I'm not a professor, one day I, I do want to be. And I'm just going to keep honing my skills, having fun with Wrigley, trying to make people smile, competing as much as I can. And Hey, I'm four strike blue now for quite a while, so I'm sneaking up on that next. You're getting there, you're yeah. getting there. Yeah, so yeah. I just I love it, and I I hope more and more people will as well. Yeah, man. I and, and it's funny this, and that's literally how I started this podcast. I, you know, saw some videos about people opening up about how jujitsu changed their lives, and I was like, I talk about that. I preach it like it's a religion. You know, so it's like every time somebody's like, you know, talk about stress or whatever, I'm like, hey, you should come try jujitsu. <laughs> like, yeah. like, really, well, come try jujitsu. <laughs> may I tell you one more thing? Mm-hmm, yeah. So when I started training, I was not looking for community. I was not looking for family. I wasn't mm-hmm. looking for that, right? I, 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 I had parents who love me. I've got a a wonderful wife of 33 years. I wasn't looking for community or family or anything. Right. Man, did I find it? I mean, literally those, those guys and gals that I train with at 6am, they have become family. So, so, you know, from my Instagram three weeks ago, I lost my mom, right? So my mom passed away unexpectedly her health had been declining, but we thought we still had, I don't know, five, six, seven years, who knows? So it was out of the blue. You know, my church family was awesome. My church family was great. My friends and family. But what shocked me is how much love my jujitsu family showered on me. I mean, I, I went into 
to train the day of my mom's funeral that morning at 6 a.m., they had this big bouquet of flowers they brought me. You know, they had me That's crying cool. at the end of our 6 a.m. class. But they're just hugging on me and loving on me and saying, hey, man, if you need anything, call me. And, and they mean it. Like, yeah, and I know it's probably yeah. like this with your crew. Like, I literally could pick up the phone and I could call DJ, Corey, Monty. I mean, I could name Jen, all these people I train with. I could pick up the phone and say, I need your help. And they would say, tell me when and where I'll be there. Yeah, it, it really is a community. And here's the other cool thing. I go to tournaments. I'll see a guy that I competed against three years ago and we're buddies. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll see somebody I cross trained with four years ago at his gym and we're buddies. We, it, it, it really is a community. It's jujitsu is awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, same, man. Like I, you know, I, I stumbled across jujitsu. I, st- I told that story millions of times, you know, I, I, I got there and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is cool. I fell in love with this, you know, started to fall in love with the sport. And then, you know, blink, boom, six years later, I, you know, I, I talked to the guys I train with every single day, Yep. every day. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. like, we're, we, we got like four different group chats going on from Facebook to Instagram <laughs> to TikTok, everything. We're just texting. We could be all in the same room. We're still texting each other. Yeah. Like random <laughs> videos and jujitsu videos. But yeah, like my, for example, my instructor, we work together. Yeah. Well, I work with him and it's like, you know, we, it's, it's every day. It's like, we'll go to work Monday. We'll talk, you know, blah, blah, blah. Tuesday come, we'll talk. We'll, you know, later at night we do class Wednesday. We're talking about Tuesday, prepare for Thursday. And it's just every day, yep. man. Every day is just something jujitsu related. Yeah. And we're, so, we're all sending each other memes. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like you, you see the meme that says when professor says roll 50% and it'll show like two animals killing each other. <laughs> And we're sending those memes back and forth, you know, I mean, it's just, right. they really do become your crew, man. They become your, your friends, your family, your community. And it's, you know, if there's anybody out there who's on, on the fence and they're like, ah, maybe I should try, maybe I shouldn't, I don't try it, try it, go take a try class, it. man. You, you will love it. And if you and don't think- love it and it's not for you, what did it hurt to try? Right. What did it hurt? It does not hurt at all. Like I just saw a video a couple of days ago. Um, older lady. She 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 got her first strike on her white belt. Completely oblivious to what's going on. Her <laughs> her teacher is like, you know, giving this speech is what you know, the speech about, you know, her showing up and training. And she's, you know, he's tying it and she's like, now what's this for? <laughs> that's hilarious so you know he breaks it down like you know you know you, you you're training you're you know you're you're being consistent but you know the the the, the necessities of, of i feel like it's just you yeah. know not everyone's going to get it on their first try you know just consistent like if you show up consistently eventually you're going to get better and she was just like okay i oh okay i yeah I was just, I was just, just, you know, I, I just didn't think nothing of it. Just showing up to class, and I was like, "That's the biggest part," <laughs> you know. That's, that's the hugest part. That's but it. Yeah, that's, Paul, that's one, um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes <clears throat> ever. Chris Howder, he says, he says, "You're going to be somewhere ten years from now. Ten years from now, why not be there and be a black belt?" He said, exactly. He said, "You just can't quit. Just keep showing yeah. up." <laughs> It's not about Reggie? who's. It's not about who. What? Uh, what? How he said? Yeah, he says it's not about who's best. It's about who's, who's best. About who, who, who's last. Who last? Yep. yep. Who's? 
Yep, exactly. I got a, I got the pleasure of meeting him a few years ago too. Yeah. The same way he's on uh, on on social media and online is how he is in person. So. <laughs> but yeah, Paul. Unless you got anything else, man, you want to add or any other questions, I would love for you to shout out your school, your your uh, social media pages, especially Wrigley. I see he uh, he decided to take off. Yeah, well, my um, wife's my wife's down there <laughs> cooking. He smelled the food, so he went. Oh, he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go over here. But uh, yeah, man, if you got anything yeah. else you want to add or say, the floor is all yours, sir. Yeah. So my Instagram is Paul Hunter Seven at Paul Hunter Seven. Post mostly all Instagrams. I mean, uh, jujitsu stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wrigley's Instagram page is at Wrigley the Bulldog D A W G. Um, I- I've got a YouTube page where I share a lot of those. It's Paul Hunter Jiu-Jitsu on YouTube. Um, I've got an Etsy shop where we're selling, you know, Wrigley Never Taps merchandise. <laughs> so it's I know. Paul, Hunter, Paul Hunter Jiu-Jitsu on Etsy. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just, my goal, I'm 54 now. I just want to be a black belt by the time I'm 60. So I got six more years to get from four stripe blue to get a black belt. And, and you know what? If it ends up taking me to 65 or 70, I don't care. I just want to keep training. Amen. And I, I can't wait to uh, come back and have another conversation with you, uh, Paul, because this has been an honor and it's been amazing, man. So definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing sharing your time with me, man. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. And I'll keep listening to your podcast. I appreciate it. And uh, that's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank Paul once again for coming on the show and Wrigley. Um, you know, who decided to take off because, you know, mom was cooking. So but I, uh, you know, enjoyed you guys thoroughly. Uh, please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages to stay up to date on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day. And we're done.